winter is here. You've been hiding under a rock. <laughs> I love it, man. You've been hiding under a rock. We had this little thing on Wednesday night that you could pretty much call wrestling credits. It was a wonderful night of wrestling. It's been a wonderful week, and we still got more to go. This is the post-AEW debut edition of Wrestling with Egos. However, you may be listening or watching this program, whether it be on Anchor Podcasts or here on YouTube. Thank you for making us a part of your week. We promise not to disappoint. Brian's already rocking, you know, you know, getting his hands warm by the fire, which you can join him at on his fireside chats. Um, that's Brian. I'm Patrick. Uh, and, of course, the AEW apologist, assassin, research guru. Um, Ambassador. Everything. Uh, RJ. Guys, well, first off, Brian, are you staying warm? I'm trying. I mean, you, you you said last week that winter was coming, and after last night, which, let's face it, this whole wrestling week has been bonkers, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and we're going to dive right into it. Uh, glad to have RJ back this week. We missed you last week when we were dissecting the phenomenal one, but um, we're glad to have you back, and we're glad to hear everybody's uh, take on what happened last night in uh, a Wednesday evening for the ages, as it were. Because, again, guys, right now, it's Thursday. We record this crap on Thursday. So, yeah. Which is really going to be weird because we got smacked down tomorrow night. Friday, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to figure something out. But, uh, we'll see what we got. RJ, before we get into it, how you doing, brother? I am. I feel like a proud papa today. <laughs> Good. And you have every right to be. Can... Can we go ahead and say, now obviously, it, you, would, you wouldn't be saying this to any year, either one of us, Brian or I, but for anybody that's been doubting what's been going on with, with Cody, the Bucks, Kenny, the Khan family, could you pull a little Bobby Heenan right here and go, I hate to be the one to say I told you so, but... I mean, I told you so, and, and I'm not the only one, any of us. And any of us that have been with AEW and the guys with AEW have, uh, have doubts have arisen through mainstream wrestling fans have thrown so many questions and so many doubts. And we just kept telling everybody these guys know what they're doing and they and proved it and will continue to prove it every seven days from now until forever. Right, and this is something that we've been saying on this show. Well, RJ has been saying, you know, on October 3rd, I'll be able to say, I told you so. Brian and I have been saying, get ready. You know, we've been using the phrase, winter is coming, using that Game of Thrones reference. We weren't kidding. I I think as soon as Dynamite wrapped, because I'll go ahead and be honest. I am, you know, whereas RJ is hardcore AEW, I might be his, his antithesis in saying I'm as much an NXT guy as RJ is an AEW guy, but 
we're not going to sneeze at the other product project or the, yeah. the other product. Love them both. I watched AEW live and I watched NXT this morning. Um, avoided spoilers like all get out, but yeah. Um, as soon as I finished watching AEW, as soon as I finished watching Dynamite last night, I got on Facebook and the first thing I thought was, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wednesday Night War. We're here. It's happening. You know, it's that Steve Carell meme from The Office. Oh, my God, it's happening. It's happening. You know, we are officially at DEFCON 1. It's on. And I, I'm thrilled because now we have... Granted, it, you know, people will say, yeah, well, it's not against Raw or SmackDown. No, it's against the best freaking thing the WWE has, NXT. Uh, I'll watch NXT over Raw or SmackDown any day of the week. But let's get into it. Um, we'll, start with, we'll start with Dynamite. Then we'll get into NXT. Then we'll talk cough. about... Huh? I cough. Oh, I didn't know if it was a sarcastic call. Oh, it was actually a call. All right. Um, and then we'll talk about some ratings because I think those are very telling and important. So does Brian and RJ. We'll get into a little bit of um, Hell in the Cell preview. And then we will talk um, Brian's homework that he still has to uh, both uh, do his book report on and assign for both of us for next week. Uh, RJ, you ha it's kind of like that Phil Collins song. You've been, I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. I give it to you. I you drive. I drive on this show so much, serving as our executive producer and kind of the unofficial de facto host because I'm the one with the radio experience and crap like that this ain't my baby go i'll go man um you know the the, the show kicked off at eight o'clock and i don't and i don't think that it could have kicked off any better than it did i feel like the first match cody had to be the first one that came out everybody knew cody everybody knew cody was going to be the first entrance um like we said in in our chat it's he has the best entrance music in wrestling for my money. Um, yeah, no I, question. That first match couldn't be anything super over the top so that yeah. people so that people wouldn't look at it and say, what is this crap? They're just doing too much. This isn't an, it was it was an entertaining wrestling match. Right. That showed what the guys in AEW can do and shine the light on Sammy Guevara in the ring with a guy people had seen before. Right. Brian, did you have your hand up for something? Yes. I we can, you know, we don't we can dispense with when I chimed in because it was kind of hard for you guys to have your stream of consciousness while an hour and twenty-five minutes later I was finally tuning in and watching Cody and, and Sammy. Right. Um, the couple of things I mentioned was, you know, how smooth both both of them seemed and I'm, I was mm -hmm. I, I RJ I'm I'm, I'm I, I noticed Behind you up on the shelf, you have the doll of him. I was glad to see Pharaoh get some run time, too, in the training video or whatever. Uh, I've always liked Pharaoh. I think he's a great-looking dog. Um, 
But you're right. I mean, it's, it's got to be Cody. He's the face of the face of the brand. Uh, Brandy was out there, and I remember the comment. You did not just put your hands on Brandy when they had that spot on the outside where she gets knocked into the guardrail. Yeah. Um, but it was a great lid lifter. I mean, it's it's it sets the tone for here's what we want to be. We want to be about the in ring action. We'll do a little talking. Well, you know, but but we're gonna put the boots to each other. And that's what it's gonna be about. Here's the one thing I can't I kept going back to and watching it again uh later uh, uh, this afternoon, um before the family went out and did family stuff. Um first off, before I get into what I kept going back to, I need to sidebar real quick. JR and Tony MF and Shivani. Side by side. Thank you, wrestling gods. No doubt. Thank you. That already, don't get me wrong, I love Mara Ronaldo, Nigel McGinnis, and Beth Phoenix as a color comment, as a team on NXT. We have no idea what we're going to get on SmackDown. Vic Joseph, shout out, big up to Cleveland. Um, Dio Madden and um, Jerry Lawler on Raw. Not bad, but Excalibur, JR, Tony Schiavone, game over. <laughs> that is as good as it gets. I mean, the only way you make that better is if you replace Excalibur with Moro. <laughs> Absolutely. It was just, it was, it was at one point during the opening match. I, I looked at my wife and I said, I don't know if you understand what it means to me to be sitting here watching a Rhodes wrestle on TNT, listening to Tony Schiavone. Like, no, it was no. awesome. Yeah, I did it. RJ, sorry, Patrick, I'm about to swear. That. <laughs> watching on a turn... A, Turner Station, a Rhodes and JR calling yeah, it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Sorry, I love Tony Schiavone just as much, but Jim Ross calling a Rhodes yeah, on, on, a, on a former Turner network. All right, but here's what I wanted to get to, and Brian, this echoes exactly what you were saying. A great lid lifter. How many times during the during that match did either Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, who wasn't there, but um, um, he's a wrestling savant and a historian, and Jr. who wasn't there, he was in Connecticut. Mention it's a lot. It's very resemblant of. The very first match on Nitro, Brian Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger, where JR then chimed in. Yeah, I called that match in 92. <laughs> but it was very much like that. It was a great, like, grade A quality wrestling match. This is what you want this match to be. This is what, as a wrestling fan, Take that first match from Dynamite, and that is what you truly want a base-level good wrestling match Absolutely. to be. Base-level, yeah, 
base level, I'll watch that 10 times out of 10. No frills, nothing sexy, nothing crazy, but just spot on. That's a damn solid match. Brian. And I'll also say, too, that during when I was watching this match, they were laying the groundwork for a lot of what I was going to be uh, consuming, you know, when I continue watching this AEW product. But the fact that AEW is trying to present itself in a lot more legitimate way than any other promotion we've seen. Uh, We've talked about before how they've talked about win-loss records matter. You know, you talk about you can't afford a loss because you're going to be out of the title picture in a heartbeat. And they're on the graphics. The records are And then the fact that the referees get graded. Yeah. So I, I that all of these things are, you know, he's, he's the top-rated referee, and, you know, the notion that we have, <clears throat> excuse me, female referees refereeing matches between two guys, I mean, just these are just things that I've never seen before, you know, for whatever reason. I know, and I like, I like that. I want to point out yes. one thing. Big ups, big, monstrous ups. To Aubrey Edwards, not only the first woman to referee a world championship match in wrestling, but also refereeing the very first match on Dynamite. Yeah. There were were a lot of moments of inclusion and fair and Equal, not inclusion, but equality in right. Dynamite last night. And I'm a big fan of that. So the fact that you had Nyla Rose in the women's title match being a transgender athlete and Aubrey Edwards uh, having the distinction of being first referee in a uh, AEW Dynamite match. To me, that speaks volumes as to where AEW wants to take the business. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Me too. I, I, was, I was really, really impressed to see that. Um, First off, I, I thought the match was the same. My thoughts on the same uh, Cody match. I thought it was great. I haven't seen a lot of Sammy Guevara. I honestly thought with that face and that style that he was going to be a white meat baby face. I didn't realize he was going to be a cocky little turd. The character that he kind of plays is um, he kind of pretends to be your best friend. He pretends to be that white meat baby face. One of those guys. Yeah, but then when he walks out of the room, I'm going to wave right here. When he walks out of the room, people generally look at each other and say, wow, that guy's such a dick. Even though he just spent five minutes pretending to be your best friend. That's kind of his thing. Phony ass well, MFR. <laughs> well, and with the with with the end of Dynamite, which I'm sure we'll get to, it looks like he has full-fledged gone 100% heel now. But one thing I did want to mention about... Think. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to mention about the opener is the finish. I think that the first match on AEW television ending 
the way without a finisher. Like it ends, you know right. what I mean? Like it ends with a roll up. I feel like that's a trend center that's telling everybody we don't need every match to end with a curb stomp or a Superman punch or this is real. This is real sports, guys. And sometimes guys are going to get rolled up and they're not going to be able to kick out. Like, this is real. RJ, RJ, hold on a second. We need to check on Patrick. Patrick's going yeah. an anaphylactic shock in camera two. Did my red mode on from last week actually made freaking sense? Absolutely. <laughs> could we, could we get, could we get Patrick a glass of water or a moist towelette or something? Because I think thirty-two ounces of country time lemonade in this bad boy, and I'm probably, I'm, I'm still probably up to here. I'm good. Okay, have a sip. Just. Because the match can end with in a different way besides the finisher. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm all for that. And I'm glad yeah, you brought that up. Because I was just like, yeah. You know. The first one, too. Very quickly kind of piggybacking off of what you said, RJ, but also let rent mode on from last week. We're in, an era, we're in an era now where crap like that don't happen. I mean, for God's sakes, in the early 80s, Kerry Von Eric. Won the NWA world title right. of a Ric Flair with a bleep bleeping backslide. Absolutely. You know, there was no finish. There was no iron claw or no discus punch or a pile driver. He beat him with a backslide. I mean, so it's... the fact that Sammy goes for that gorgeous shooting star press. Yeah. Woo. Just the hang time and the slow flip. Dude. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So so he, he hits the knees, gets caught in the roll-up. I'm like, yes, yes, ma'am. Which highlights another point. Uh, AEW has tons of athletes. I mean, these guys and gals, you know, there's, there's, not, there's not a lot of, you know, ground and pound. No. And Everybody's going after their spots and stuff. You and everybody else, stay tuned. I know people have seen All Out and Fighter Fest and Double or Nothing and all that, but I most of the people on the roster were not even on the show last night. True. Right. So many athletes that were, I mean, like, SCU was on the show, and the Lucha Brothers were on the show, and I loved the way that they did that. How they put yeah. them out there, and I, I love the way that they put them in front of the camera so that people could see them. But yes, people that haven't seen it, wait till you see those guys go. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Everybody, everything you saw last night, there isn't a person in this company that can't do that. Right, and that's and something. And that's something that I did want to point uh, get into. And let's kind of skip ahead a little bit since you did mention that they bring out SCU uh, with Tony Schiavone. First off. The way Scorpio Sky just big up Tony Schiavone. I was just like, yes, I love that, man. Yeah. Um, but then they do what SCU does, what SCU does really, really well. I was going to say better than anybody else. No, they're better, but they're really oh. good. They work the mic as a group. That's probably the best working trio I've seen in a very long time. And I'm sorry, I don't consider the elite a trio because they're not, they you know, they're, yeah, but they're not, they don't co-mingle. You don't have one of the Jacksons tag teaming with Kenny. Right. 
right, you know, right. The only two, the only mic working interchangeable trio we've had in the last 20 years that holds a candle to them, obviously, is the New Day. New Day, right. And those guys are just, have been and probably will be for a long time, a license to print money. Uh, I just want to say, living in Northeast Ohio, this is the worst town I've ever been in. Not really. That would be Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, ah. Now, actually, no, this week, it's Gainesville, Florida. That's the worst town I've ever been in. It's, it's, it's Gator hate week. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Um, but then you have the Lucha Brothers come out. And from a TV perspective and looking at it from the eye, as the eyes, exactly, as the eyes of, I've never seen this before, but it's wrestling. I'm going to check it out because there's so much buzz about it. Wow, these SCU guys. Well, I've, I've watched a little TNA back in the day, so I recognize Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels. I don't know anything about this Scorpio Sky guy. Just, um, you know, they're, they're good talkers. And now here comes these Mexican guys in the masks, and they look cool. Wow. Okay. They're intense. These Mexican guys say they're the best tag team in the world, in the universe, rather. Um, oh, that was awesome. I, I popped so hard for that when he got real close to the camera and said, in the universe. I popped so hard for that. Yeah, I know. I was like, uh, uh, hashtag, like, hashtag indirect shot fired. Yeah, oh my God. But I was just like, oh. NXT took an indirect shot too, but we'll talk about that later. Just saying. Oh, yeah. But um, the fact that, uh, what happened next, RJ? Uh, was it? I don't have it in front of me. Was it the um, the women's tag match or the women's title match next? I can't uh, remember if Pac and Page happened before the women's title match it, or other it, way around. Pac and Page. Yeah, it was, it's Pac and Page. First yeah. off, I, Mrs. Rant Mode on wanted me to point out. Wow, they are really having a good time saying "bastard," aren't they? <laughs> oh my gosh, so many times. This I is was like a like, buzzword. I'm over here thinking, dude, where's your goat sounds? <laughs> yeah, and he called, uh, Sh- I, th- that's one thing I wanted, I forgot to mention, he called, uh, Tony Schiavone called MJF a little prick. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, there's the there's the TV 14 rearing its head, and then they said bastard a bunch of times, and then he said ass kicker near the end. Oh, uh, and then JR said something even worse. What did J- I don't. I think I, I did. I, I did. I not catch not, it. Do I not remember? I am not censoring this one. When the when the big surprise happened, you know what? Screw it. Let's just go there. <laughs> we keep beating around the bush. Okay. Um. We'll we'll save the first of those two surprises for later. We'll get this one out of the way. Um. So you now have this big mis- mishmash of guys kicking the crap out of each other. Involving Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, all beating the crap out of Cody, the Bucks, and Dustin. And then out of nowhere, Jake freaking Hager, formerly known as Jack Swagger, the undefeated mixed martial artist, the multiple-time All-American wrestler from Oklahoma, a hell of an athlete. I mean, a 
freak. And now he's in AEW. The fans start start with a holy shit chant. And JR said, holy shit. Yes, he um, did. We are earning our TV 14 rating tonight, boys. <laughs> Let's go ahead and finish up with some more AEW conversation and get to the women's um uh, the women's um championship match between Nyla Rose and <clears throat> Rio. And here's something from our Facebook chat last night that you guys now see on the screen that I said to RJ, holy crap, is Rio fast? I mean, she is that she might be pound for pound, gender for gender, one of the fastest people going from one side of the ring to another that I've ever seen in my life. Full disclosure, when she came out, I wasn't expecting that. I thought, okay, you know, I wasn't expecting anything like what I actually saw when I watched this match. Dressed like a freaking princess. I'm like, what the hell? Everybody raves about this girl, and she's dressed like Malibu Barbie in a sundress. The hell is oh my god, she's fast. <laughs> she's very unassuming. She's god, uh yeah, I think. Um <laughs> that was also so that was my first time seeing Rio. That was also my first time seeing Nyla Rose. And I have to be honest, and this has nothing to do with her being transgender or anything else. I mean, if it had something to do with her being transgender, I would not be still be referring to her as her. Right. Um, so getting that out of the way, she's not good. She's she was very. I understand she's inexperienced, but for me, she came off very sloppy in that match. Yeah, she was. She looked super green. Um, I think that as far as anybody in the ring outside of Brandon Cutler which we mentioned earlier, I think Nyla came off the worst. I don't think she looked horrible. Um, she looked worse than she's looked on pay-per-view. I'll tell you that. Um, she, There were a couple spots that I've seen her do that I know she can do that she messed up. I'm, I, I chalked up a bunch of it to nerves. I feel like she was probably so unbelievably nervous last night to be in that first women's title match. Um, she definitely did not put on her best performance then. Especially with social media. Hmm? Especially with all the BS she's been dealing yeah. with on social media. God, yeah. I, I can't imagine how much hate she gets. It, 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 when, people, it's, when other people talk about her on social media, they have to put stuff on their posts about, like, this. if anything posted negatively about Nyla Rose will be deleted, and this is a Nyla hate free zone and stuff like because people just hate on her constantly and it's and i'll tell you it was actually we myself and my wife used that match as a opportunity to explain to our son about nyla rose nice and he completely understood and referred to her as her after and before that and just he didn't he didn't, I don't want to say he didn't care, but it didn't phase him at all. It was still a woman in a woman's title match, so it wasn't, you know. Right. But yeah, I, I, that that's AEW is for everyone, and that's 100% true. 
Big ups Agreed. to you for sending that message to the villain in training. Absolutely. Very, very proud of you and you and uh, Mrs. AEW for uh, for that one. Um, very proud of you guys as as parents. So that that's awesome. Um, the match was good uh, between Rio and Nyla Rose. It was good. Um, I I loved how they let Nyla pretty much just dominate the match. Because, you know, Rio might be a bucko fight. Maybe. They, if, they, they, call her 80, they call her 85 pounds all the time. Okay. I don't right. know if it's legit, but that's what they say. The match was good. I love the fact that they did that. I have a big problem with the match, though. And I have been mistakenly calling I have you... One too. I, wonder if it's the same. I wonder if it's the same one. Go ahead. I just wonder if it's the same one. Well, start nodding. Start nodding if if we're on the same page. Because okay. you're going to know here in about 10 seconds. I've been mistakenly calling you this guy's name all freaking night. My problem with that match was JR. Because here's my thing. JR made some underhanded comments, in my opinion, toward Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose is built is billed at 185. If, well, she's billed at 185, but if she's 200, she's an ounce. I'm like, hmm. what the hell, dude? <laughs> like, yeah, like you of all people calling somebody fat? <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, what the hell, man? But go back and watch. I thought he took a couple of really unnecessary, really asshole-ish, not the good kind of asshole, um, yeah. made some comments to, about Nyla Rose, and I was like, dude, you know, you're starting to be the same guy that didn't want to sign Kia Stevens when you were head of talent relations in WWE because she was too big and awesome Kong is a badass. Yes, she is. Um, so that was my problem. Obviously, obviously we have different problems. We, so what we was this was the biggest problem that I had with the entire show. I think top to bottom, um, I it was it was unbelievably well done for a debut show. I feel like it was unbelievably well done had it been a show that they've been doing for four years. I think top to bottom, it was really, really good. There yeah. was one problem that I had, and it was during this match. Um, I love the way that, and WWE does it too, I love the way that they had the side-by-side -side with the commercials. Yes. I loved it the most earlier in the night when Jericho came out and attacked Hangman Page, and they, at a time we normally would have been at commercial anyway, they were at commercial, but they continued to show what was going on in the arena while they were at commercial. I loved that. I thought it was phenomenal. You mean when he attacked Cody? Cody, yes. Not Hangman. Cody, yes. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm used to him attacking Hangman from before. Um, anyway, yes, when he attacked Cody um, and how they, they kept the camera on him and and we've we've all been to wrestling shows, so we know what happens during the commercial breaks, and that's what was happening. It was a commercial break, but we were seeing it while we were also seeing commercials. They did. They also did that multiple times throughout the night during matches in the same kind of fashion that WWE does, 
Um, I don't know who is at fault here. I don't know if it's the referee or if it's the production people or if it's Nyla and Riho. But near the end of that match, things were starting to build. And it felt like we were starting to build to a finish. It felt like a finish was imminent. And then they went to commercial and had the the side-by-side. And Nyla, like, pulled Riho off the top rope and slammed her on the ground and then put her in a submission move that legitimately felt like it could have ended the match because they felt before that like they were building to a finish. Right. Really, 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 really bothered me how long she had her in that submission while they were at commercial. Because I felt watching it, she that Riho could have legitimately tapped out right there. I thought that could be the finish. And I said repeatedly, <clears throat> I kept saying out loud to my family, if she taps out while they are at commercial, I am going to be really mad. And it really felt like it was a thing that could have happened. And I don't know what needs to happen to fix that. But that was a really, really crappy moment to be side by side with no commentary. And, you know, not hearing Riho's screams of pain. And it just it it felt out of whack to me. And it, it was that was my biggest problem with that whole show was that. That was supposed to feel like a moment where the match could end and you knew it wasn't going to because you were watching a Cracker Barrel commercial. Right. Yeah, that didn't add up to me either. Now that, that you was the only that was the biggest problem I had with the whole show. That 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 moment, they were at commercial for way too long while she had her in that submission. Trio's match. It is the elite, the young bucks and Kenny Omega, which by the way. They're uh, on our uh, Facebook lo- Facebook chat between the three of us. There was a running count of how many times RJ cried. Final count, three. Yeah. Uh, this was the second one. The first one was the beginning. Um, and I would always respond with a gif. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, it's just been a really long time since I saw the proper elite with their proper elite entrance. And it's just been yeah. too long. And it got me emotional. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, versus the team of Jericho and Santana and Ortiz, formerly known as LAX. First off, I love LAX. Oh my God, I love LAX. They're so good. Yeah. The Bucks are better, though. Um, <laughs> this was a spot fest but not for the sake of being a spot fest. Just like how Brian talked about how the opening match needed to be the lid lifter. This needed to be the, all right, now we need to show you just what the Bucks are capable of. Because we've been talking all night that this is the most exciting tag team on the planet. We need to show you why. We got a super kick party. They set up for the Meltzer driver. And which one was it that was literally in and out and uh, that was in the ring, out of the ring, back in the ring and out of the ring and never stopped? Nick. Nick, okay. That's the one with the chops, right? No, that's Matt. No, it's the 
it does that spot where he goes in and out and in and out. Yeah. All right. So that so so the one without the chops is Nick or Matt. Yeah. The one without the chops is with the chops is Matt. The one without is Nick. Nick. Okay. So Nick Jackson dives out of the ring, comes back in the ring, dives back out of the ring (laughs) to nail somebody else, goes back in the ring, goes to the corner, flips over and what moonsault or something like that. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this guy just it was non. It was never breaking stride. And the only thing I could think of was like a Barry Sanders run back in the NFL where it would just be juking someone out of their cleats, changing direction, pulling a 90-degree turn, and never breaking stride. You're like, how is that possible? But I saw that and was just like, well, then. 11.34 p.m., I'm finally watching this match. And my stream of messages, I, I have Bucks came to play. Nice suplex is Matt, and I'm out of breath watching Nick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't, I mean, again, late to the party on all these guys, but those two, they, must, they must have a lot of cardio going on because. Yeah. They, they were fun. And. Obviously, there was another surprise during this match, and it, but it is someone that is signed to AEW and has been in AEW events already. Uh, one John Moxley, um, and um, here's another moment where AEW earned a TV fourteen rating. Holy crap! That was um, my favorite, this was my favorite moment of the show. What you just talked about? Yeah. Um, so they got a nice close-up, kind of like how you see for me, just like shoulder up on Kenny Omega. And then just right out from behind him, just John Moxley appears. It's kind of like, oh, crap. Uh, Omega turns around. Moxley and Moxley starts beating the crap out of him. They fight into the crowd. They fight into the... VIP area. I don't even yeah. know. The VIP area. Yeah. The the VIP area. And then John Moxley hits the Death Rider, the elevated double arm DDT, into a glass coffee table. Yeah. I love that coffee table. I, and it was a great coffee table. Um, RJ is freaking out. OMG, 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 OMG. Um, it lost my mind, yes. I'm not going to post this one and show you guys this because I used a lot of copyrighted images and I don't want us to get us in trouble. Um, so let's see. I got to go back and look so I can actually tell you what it was. The first one was the Peter Griffin gag from Family Guy where he's like, ow, ouch, ow. The second one is Leo DiCaprio from, I don't, from, I think this is from uh, Titanic. And he's just in a corner, you know, writhing in pain. And the text under it is, it hurts. And then the last one, if you, if nobody saw the movie Midsummer, that was the horror movie from earlier, from back this summer, that uh, uh, starred uh, Florence Pugh of uh, Fighting With My Family fame. Um, it's this, this scene where she's just surrounded by a bunch of women in white dresses and one of them has bloody hands and just puts them on her face like this, and she's screaming. Those were my th- next three uh, 
messages in this chat was just like, ow, the pain, the pain, the pain. I think it, I think at one point I said how, and then after that, so Moxley shows up and beats up Kenny. They fight through the crowd into the VIP area. He puts him through the glass table. Then none of this causes a disqualification. We go back. <laughs> Where the hell was the DQ? <laughs> I mean, I, I I guess they're they're going with the the a lot of a lot of companies outside of WWE do that. Like it's real hard to get disqualified in New Japan, and it's real hard to get disqualified in Ring of Honor. I guess they're kind of going with that. Like it's it's just so weird though how a guy who's not in the match shows up and beats up a guy who is in the match. And nothing happened. And he shows up on this show all the damn time and doesn't get, it doesn't get disqualified. You're right, absolutely right. And he, he goes through the glass table and then we go back and now it's a it's a handicap match. It's, right. the, it's the three guys against just the bucks. And I'm like, what is going on? And I I I think I said in the I know I said in the chat and I think I said out loud to my family, how am I supposed to watch the match after this? Yes. Like, I just watched John Moxley put Kenny Omega through a glass coffee table. And now yeah. I'm supposed to finish watching this wrestling match? Like, what? How is this going to... I couldn't even focus. It was six or seven minutes later, I just said out loud while staring at the TV, oh my God, he put him through a glass table. Like, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was in awe for ten minutes. All it right. was... Real quick. I'm I'm waiting for the uh, the warning. Paul Heyman didn't even do that in ECW. Yeah, right, right. My but my wife couldn't believe it. Like we, he starts dragging him over, and I realized what was happening before my family realized what was happening. And she's, oh my god, that table's glass. And I said, yeah, it sure is. By the way, you are watching Wrestling with Egos here on uh, YouTube and also on uh, Anchor Podcast. My name's Patrick, along with Brian and RJ. Thank you guys, as always, for watching us. Um, check us out on Twitter. You can hit me up at Rant Mode On. Brian, you can hit up at bkrigo 15 RJ, you can hit up at RJ E-Man with two N's, not two E's, Brian. Uh, wrestling with Egos at gmail.com is the email address, because I didn't plug that earlier. Uh, and don't forget to check out our archive, as we call it, the Google repository, bit.ly backslash with egos. And, of course, no matter what platform you're watching or listening to this on, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, click the bell if you got one on YouTube for all the you YouTube people for all those notifications. That way we know when the new show is up or when we've decided to post some bonus content, like Brian's fireside chats very enlightening last week by the way man thank you and also when rj and i decide to explore another one of wrestling's crappiest matches um there'll be more stuff coming we're we, we got all we're we're brainstorming like crazy on all kinds of crazy stuff so nxt the first full-blown run against aew and we've been saying this for weeks guys NXT was going to have to do something because AEW was going to come full board. Well, they did. Um, lots of great matches. I thought all the matches were outstanding. We had the end where we're going to go backwards. 
I'm saving the best. I'm saving what I feel is the best for last, um, which happened first. Uh, yeah, Brian and I are both just like, ooh. Um, after, after the, um, uh, the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish retained the uh, NXT Tag Team titles against the Street Profits um, with the help of Roderick Strong. Adam Cole comes to the top of the ramp, holding his title up. The other three guys are holding their title ups. The lights dim, dim down low, and a little song called No One Will Survive starts playing. Before he came out, did you see the look on Adam Cole's face? It was just like, yeah. Tommaso Ciampa has returned. Whether or not he's cleared or not, it's a different story. But he at least showed up and made his presence known. And I want to say he took one full lap around Adam Cole, staring the entire time at his beloved Goldie before he finally looked up at Adam Cole. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is cool. Just the way they did that, I thought that was beautifully done because it keeps Champa as the same guy that he was. Just it's me and Goldie. It's me and Goldie. It's me and Goldie. So, uh, what did you guys think about that? I thought it was masterfully done. I mean, it, it reintroduces Champa to the folks who may have forgotten about him, and if you forgot about him, shame on you. Um, and it also does something interesting. When you think about what we're going to talk about in a minute for who else crashed the party, it kind of puts the undisputed era on notice that, yeah, the prophecy has been fulfilled. However, you've got all these people running at you. You've got the street profits coming at after Fish and O'Reilly, because you know there's going to be at least one more match between those four gentlemen. You've got Velveteen Dream putting Roderick Strong on notice, you know, in a, in a magnificent... Sick. Yeah, a magnificent double entendre filled promo that he cut. And then at the beginning of the, you know, the beginning, I mean, who's to say Matt Riddle has earned himself at least one more return match with Cole because that match was bonkers and is kicking off the event. Yeah. They went for 25 minutes and I thought it could have ended at six or seven or eight different times. Devastating maneuvers that were only drawing two counts. Yeah, I, I thought... Even that, that kind of goes against my little, you know, high horse rant that I went on last week where there was a lot of high spots. Well, all those high spots told us told a story as opposed to just being pointless. And it all led to the cast shot, which turned Matt Riddle around. And then he caught the last shot in the back of the head. And there's your ball game. I thought that match. I. I haven't been a big fan of Matt Riddle. Uh, you know, okay, cool. He's good in the ring, but I, eh, I'm not, I've never have been invested in him. I was, I, I was last night, was this morning watching, uh, watching NXT because I simply thought, wow, this is good. He's, you know, he, he's not bad. Uh, I, I, he he won me a little bit on that. I'm still not a huge Matt Riddle fan. He's still not my cup of tea, but 
I like it better now than I did than, than I did when I went to bed last night. And then it happened. Where we got the the Lex Luger moment at the end of Dynamite. Don't do it, Brian. We got the Lex Luger moment for NXT right after the NXT Championship match, which was the first match. Adam Cole, baby, is celebrating his championship. He's getting ready to do the Adam Cole thing. And then, hate the pose, Brian. Finn Balor is back in NXT. He comes out first off. His music hits. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what you call a pop. Um, again, as we've talked on the show before, Finn Balor is on the Mount Rushmore of NXT. No doubt. Yeah, he is on the Mount Rushmore of NXT. He is one of those four gods. In one case, there's a goddess, because Bailey. Um, but he comes down to the ring. I like the buzz cut, by the way. I, it's a good look for him. Uh, Mrs. Rant Mode on, not a fan. Mr. Rant Mode on, yeah, I dig it. Um, and all he does is go from uh, uh, you know, from now on, Finn Balor is NXT, drops the mic, walks out, and it's just like, oh, crap. Um, as, as the Shine Down song, Devil Goes, it's about to get heavy. <laughs> um, this adds an entirely new dynamic to a title picture, to a already clouded title picture because there's so many deserving guys at the top of the heap in NXT. Matt Riddle, the returning Tommaso Ciampa, Dominic Dijakovic, Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano, and now the longest reigning uh, NXT champion of all time, and the very first universal champion, Finn Balor. Um, do you think RJ, I'm going to ask you first, and I'm doing this specifically because when it comes to Finn Balor, Brian's a little bit of a homer. Nothing wrong with that, though. Do you think this was the best move for Finn Balor? I do. Um, I mean, I, I personally would love to see him join AJ and them, but that's a pipe dream. Um, as far as things that are realistically going to happen, yes, I, I think this is the best use of Finn at the at the moment, um, as you mentioned, he is Mr. Frickin' NXT, um, longest reigning NXT champion. I just, it feels weird to me. Like, it, it I, I know he's not. Like, I'm a huge fan of Ciampa and Johnny, obviously, and Adam Cole and Velveteen and everybody. I love the guys in NXT. I think that they're phenomenal. They're some of the best wrestlers in the entire world. Finn just, there's this air of he's bigger than NXT around him, and that feels weird to me. Being me the personal champion, being a guy that's been on WrestleMania, being a guy that's been on the main roster for as long as he has, <coughs> it just, he feels like he's a level above 
all the other NXT guys, and that feels really weird to me. And I'm sure that as the weeks progress, he'll get integrated into storylines and he'll have he'll suffer losses to guys like Adam Cole and guys like Johnny and guys like Ciampa. And it'll make him feel, you know, it'll it'll elevate them to the level of Finn Balor. But for me right now, it just feels like Finn is above them all. And I really hope it doesn't stay that way. It just feels odd. Brian, before I get to you, I want to retort to uh, what RJ said. And honestly, for the most part, I agree with you. Um, because my whole argument is piggybacking off you. How do you take a guy who, number one, is the very first ever universal champion? He has victories over, here's some names, Seth Rollins. Bray Wyatt. Um, AJ Styles. AJ Styles. Um, and the list can go. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. The list goes on and on. How do you take this guy? And arguably, the most popular star internationally that WWE has right now. Because you get him, you get into Europe, you get into Asia, you get into Japan. The man is huge. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and at, at the same time, there's it, they were it was he was floundering on the main roster. So I feel like this is the best thing for him, but it's just it's weird. I me too. I I just think it's weird. I'm like, this is the guy who, you know. As the demon had a match of the century candidate against AJ Styles. Absolutely. You know, holy crap. I mean, not only his matches and his pedigree, but also the demon itself. Because the last time we saw the demon, was WrestleMania. So you're going to go, for, so the Demon's going to go from WrestleMania back to Full Sail or an NXT TakeOver? A little bit of a letdown for me. Don't get me wrong, I'm still happy to see it because he is now surrounded by a fan base that just like in Europe and just like in Japan, they think he's God. Brian. I'm going to disagree with both of you. Okay. And here's why. For many months now, various uh, NXT personalities have taken to social media and taken to the airwaves and talked about how they are not content to be looked at as the developmental brand anymore. How their body of work should be able to stand on its own and should be able to stand in comparison to what people on SmackDown and Raw are doing. And I would argue that Finn going to NXT, and it's semantics, I don't say he's going back to NXT, I say he's going to NXT, revitalizes the character, number one, because there's a new crop of people that he can work with. You know, I, for one, would love to see Finn versus Tommaso Ciampa. I would love to see Finn versus Roderick Strong. I would love to see Finn versus Adam Cole. What if Finn's the guy that ultimately 
torpedoes the undisputed era brick by brick how cool would that be um because you're right he was getting lost in the shuffle a little bit he was vacillating between raw and smackdown they didn't quite know what to do with him the programs they were putting him in left a lot to be desired and i think he was just burnt out uh back in the late spring when he took uh or early summer or whatever it was when he took his hiatus um I was marking out for it last night because I'm like, fine, let's turn him loose. Let's let him, you know, be Finn Balor, you know, and and then uncork the demon when you you need to. Am I a bit disappointed that I'm not going to see him get to have mind games versus mind games with the Fiend Bray Wyatt? Yes, but maybe they're trying to keep that fresh for down the road. Maybe Finn's a guy that can go between all three shows and just rotate whenever, wherever the story makes sense. Um, so I'm, I'm all for it. I'm here for it. And yes, a lot of that is Homerism because Finn's my dude. And he, I've been, I've been pretty much down since day one with him. And, you know, I'm just happy to see him in a place where he's going to be properly utilized and have a lot of juicy new feuds that he can sink his teeth into. Homework. Uh, my homework was the exact opposite of the Kennel from Hell match, and I, uh, as I've said, as I said last week, RJ, I want to thank you for continuing to expose me to these New Japan um, five star classics. You know, if I may say so myself. Uh, my homework was the 2016 G1 Climax final between Hiroki Goto and Kenny Omega. Um, I'm always fascinated by these New Japan matches because it's just a different environment altogether. The fans are just super respectful. You know, whether it's a heel or a face, I mean, they still pay attention. They're still so invested. Um, And the one thing I... The one thing that... I noticed was they've also understand their history because um, my notes actually on this, I actually left at school. I was, you know, we had conferences tonight and in between my conferences, I was working on my uh, sheet that I put up and I left my reaction notes at school, but I forget who was. He was a guy that won the G1 climax like five times. And he came out on the commentary table. Uh, uh, Well, Milano collection AT wanted a bunch of times he's always on commentary i don't yeah, remember was, who went on commentary for that match actually there was somebody else he he had like a black ball cap on and you know but they, they showed him a lot of reverence and everybody at the announce table came up and that sort of thing um but just the pageantry you know of goto coming out the way he did and omega coming out with the bucks the way he did and um, and then just, you know, they went to work and they started wrestling and again, they didn't rush anything. The match was allowed to breathe. Nobody seemed like they were in any hurry. And it was amazing to me how the crowd at the beginning was so firmly in the camp of Kenny Omega. Like he could do no wrong. He gave the two sweet to the guy in the. The camo shirt at ringside. I thought, oh my god, it's too sweet to the camo shirt guy. It's awesome. Uh, and then about twenty-ish minutes, maybe fifteen minutes into the match, 
they swung back and they were cheering for Hiroki Goto every time he would do something. And it's that give and take, which I, I think is another big element of a New Japan match. Um, there's a lot of give and take where you're, you're meant to feel like at any point, one guy or the other could be victorious instead of it being a foregone conclusion like we see with a lot of WWE matches, let's face it. And as the match neared its conclusion and you have Kenny Omega being victorious, the pure joy that Kenny Omega, you know, displays upon winning and the celebration that ensues, and then he gets on the microphone, and I've said this before about him, to speak in Japanese, you know, as a Westerner, if you will, and 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 to have the crowd, you know, right along with you in the palm of your hand, they're laughing at what you're saying, you know, they're cheering what you're saying. It was an emotional roller coaster. It was an A plus lock, stock, and barrel, as far as I'm concerned, because Goto played his role to perfection. He's kind of like the gatekeeper, in my opinion. If 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 you're a Westerner, you're going to win this G1 Climax match. You got to go through me to do it. And I'm not going to make it a walk in the park for you. I'm going to make you earn it. And, you know, I mean, just a, a classic match. And another great match, if you out there in wrestling with Ego's Land, you know, have not had occasion to watch a new Japan match, this would also be a great place to start. Oh, yeah. Because yep. especially with Kenny Omega, you know, putting that work in an AEW, you can see kind of where he burst onto the scene and gained the notoriety that he has. Not only did I finally get to watch Goto versus Omega because I asked for an extension because the New Japan website was down for maintenance last week when I tried to watch it. That same night that I asked for the extension, I did bonus homework, guys. I am such a great one-third of the Wrestling with Ego's family that I went ahead and I did double homework. I mean, who does that? Honestly, can anybody tell no one? No one else does that. Just me. Okay, great. Hey, hey, real quick. Um, who were the two guys that run around with AJ on the, in the OC? There's Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, and he's always known for saying "nerd." <laughs> well, you're not going to call me a nerd when you find out what match I queued up for myself right. based off right. of our. Based off of our conversation last week about AJ Styles, I found myself a little TNA action. And I watched AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe versus Christopher Daniels, who I was actually able to point out that, hey, he showed up on AEW last night. There's Christopher Daniels. I, I know that guy. Oh, from which, from which pay-per-view? Uh, it was 2006. I, I want to say I didn't write the name of the pay-per-view down, but it was... It was the triple threat. Uh, I want to say it was lockdown. I could be wrong on that. I'm, I probably am because, like, uh, I was telling, I was telling RJ when you were off screen, I left my reaction sheet, my blow by blow reaction sheet at school. All I have is my typewritten stuff here in front of me. And the, and the weird part about that match, it's weird for me to see a hexagonal ring. I mean, that added a whole new element to that for me too because I'm used to seeing. You know, a square that they're yeah. wrestling in the squared circle, as it were. But now you're in a hexagon. It changes the geometry a little bit, changes the physics a little bit. You got to, you know, you got that whole new dimension to add. Can I just say, I never once liked the six-sided ring. 
It was a it was a lot to wrap my head around. I, I know. And what obviously what makes this match is the three guys that are in it because I'm seeing you know Samoa Joe in his prime. You know we say now how he can move for a big guy. Back then, I mean he was a little leaner and meaner, but still moving around and still you know going toe to toe with both of those guys. But they're both being elevated by AJ Styles and. You know, AJ is the one constant mm-hmm. that runs through this whole match. So this is another solid A for me. Um, you know, I was glad that, you know, kind of glad that Happenstance being what it was, the New Japan site was down for maintenance. So I'm like, okay, I need to find something else to watch. I set this time aside. Oh, we were just talking about AJ Styles. Let me let me watch some AJ Styles stuff that I wouldn't normally watch. Not your typical AJ Styles fair. <sighs> okay. If, uh, they did that that triple threat a couple of different times, and oh, holy crap, they're all good. Yes, definitely. And also, um, I will be happy to assign y'all your homework for this week. And because we just got done talking about AJ Styles and RJ, because I feel bad that you were not able to partake in that discussion. I would not want to deny you the privilege of getting to see AJ Styles doing some of his very best work under some very difficult circumstances, I might add. So we're not going to go too far back in in the past. We're only, we're only going to go back to 2017 on this one. And we're going to go to Survivor Series in a match that I thought he didn't have a shot in hell at winning. But he more than acquitted himself in. It's AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar. This week's homework. Nice. That's a good one. Survivor Series 2017. Very good. Very good. All right. So, spoiler on this one. I think everybody knows. Brock Lesnar wins. Um, Did you guys know what happened Later on in that pay per view, well, or or that night, there was an interview that was on WWE.com with Paul Heyman in front of Brock Lesnar's dressing room, asking about the match, and he is singing the praises of the phenomenal one. Do you guys remember any of this? Vaguely, I don't remember. All right. Well, he's talking about. AJ Styles is the greatest in-ring performer I have ever seen in the however many years of this business I've been doing it. Blah, 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 blah. However, he ran into the beast tonight. Blah, 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 blah. But he's doing nothing but just beaming at how talented AJ Styles is. What nobody knows is, you know, here's my hand. It's now off frame. Right here at the end of my arm is where AJ Styles is standing. Paul Mm. Heyman grabbed him and made him stop so he could hear exactly what he had to say. And also the fact that it was being said on camera. It was apparently done and AJ just kind of stood there like, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> like, like, 
wow, <laughs> I just got that kind of praise from Paul Bleep Bleep and Heyman. Right. Um, so I'll be more, more than happy to watch Survivor Series 2017 with Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles. I think it's one of Brock's best matches. Well, this incarnation of Brock Lesnar, I think it's one of his best matches. So, yeah. Very glad to uh, watch that. RJ, before we get out of here, any thoughts? And then I have a question for you. Uh, what's your question? Not, not really. Okay. Um, we were. I don't know if you. I don't know if you got into all of the um, uh, AJ Styles greatest, great, greatest of all time conversation from last week. But I posed something last week that I want your take on. How about the next time we do this? How about let's discuss the greatest masked man in, in the history of the business, Rey Mysterio? Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. We might be doing that here in a couple weeks. Uh, Brian, you got any final thoughts? Well, my final thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, are I'll echo what all three of us have said various points over the past several weeks in anticipation of AEW debuting on TNT. We are presenting you know, the goings-on of all of these different promotions. And we want to reiterate to all of you that it is a great time to be a wrestling fan. Hallelujah! Regardless of what team you're on, you know, we're all on team professional wrestling, I think. And, you know, I am happy to have the ability now to consume multiple formats of this of, of this thing we call professional wrestling. I never got that opportunity in the late 90s because I just wasn't exposed to it. I came to the party far too late to really participate, you know, in, in, in that debate. But I, I was sitting there last night, and RJ, I know you'll be take, taking pride in hearing me say this. I was sitting there last night watching AEW and thinking – they're putting everything they have out there to make sure that they're presenting a wonderful product and giving us multiple reasons to tune in next week and the following week and for months and years to come. For RJ, for my Patrick, certainly it is uh, 10, 11 Eastern time, Friday night, the night after we recorded this week's episode of Wrestling with Ego. My name's Patrick, and I'm joined by one, the, another part of the one-third of, of uh, this panel, my good friend Brian. RJ could not join us tonight. He had family oblig ob ob obligations, a honey-do list to do after the conclusion of Friday Night SmackDown. It's been a banner week on a lot of fronts. We've had a lot of great things to react to. A lot of interesting decisions to dissect. And then we get to tonight. And with all the moves that other promotions have made and the moves that other individuals have made, this was WWE's chance to answer their critics, of th three of whom have been on this show for the better part of half a year now, saying, hey, you got to get this right. You got to get this right. And they got it wrong, 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 wrong. You are wrong. Sorry, Brian. I just wanted to get that out. Um, okay. So real quick here at 
house, the, the house, the house that the rant built. Um, when I watch wrestling, I'm a snacker. I, you know, some people snack when they they watch football. Some people snack when they watch baseball. Go Braves! Um, tonight's snack of choice was gonna be Kit Kat. I love Kit Kats. Solid. I am in such a bad mood right now, and I'm so ticked off, I can't eat the Kit Kat. You want to know why? Because I'm pissed off to the point I can't turn back. And when I get pissed off to the point I can't turn back, I got to eat something else. This episode of Wrestling with Egos is brought to you by Tums. Damn it, get out of the bottle. Yes, I'm eating Tums. Two, one, two. Sorry, I got heartburn because I got so bad. Literally. And yes, I'm chewing Tums and talking at the same time. Kiss my ass. I do not care right now. In a related news item, I want to thank you for the thank you, our new sponsor, Tums. I mean, that's a big get. Cut you know? Gotta be better than. Washed up MMA fighters that appeared on triple uh, that appeared on triple A and looked like a gigantic goofball in a luchador mask with the words brown pride tattooed on his chest. I'm not knocking Kane Velasquez. Kane Velasquez, as I as I have referred to him many times, is the Lesnar killer. Um he kind of destroyed Brock Lesnar twice, and it didn't hurt my feelings at all, either time. Um, literally, let's, let's start with the stuff we liked. All right. Here's what I liked, Brian, you can agree or disagree. Put your hand up when you want to say something, because you know, this mood, I'm going to go night drive. Um, I like the set. I like the pyro. I like the fact that we had some fucking ACDC in the theme music. I told you I was going to swear. Um, I loved the ladder match. Not a whole not a whole lot of psychology to it, but that wasn't supposed to be a psychological ladder match. That was supposed to be two guys that hated each other. They were gonna beat the living hell out of each other. I was here for yes, 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 yes. Uh, I'm like, you give Kevin Owens a ladder match? There better not be any psychology in there because Kevin Owens does what Kevin Owens does best with a ladder involved, and that is beat the hell out of my <laughs> Um, So I was cool with that. Loved that match. You gave us Rollins and Nakamura. Yes, please. Yes, please. Firefly Funhouse right in the middle of it. Yes, this is awesome. And then Rollins starts running through Shinsuke Nakamura. First off, Seth Rollins cannot hold Shinsuke Nakamura's jockstrap, and it's just a destruction. Or there was, a, and I've shared this with the guys already. There was a term when I covered high school football back home in Alabama, uh, when a really good team was playing a really bad team. We called it a rat killing. This match was a rat killing in its purest form. And then The Fiend got involved, like The Fiend always does, which 
I love The Fiend, and I love the Firefly Funhouse, but The Fiend attacks are starting to get really freaking predictable. And it's that's starting to get like, okay, cool. Okay, lights are going down. Lights are going down. Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Lights. All right, cool. Where's The Fiend? Ah, there he is. Mandible Claw. Lights go out. Creepy Bray Wyatt left. It's cool. But we're doing the same shit over and over again. It's literally becoming one of the WWE playbook tropes that they always do. Let me run off a couple for you, Brian. See if any of these ring a bell. Nostalgia appearances. Uh, Eight-man tag team match where there's the big schmoz and everybody just bang, 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 gets their finishers off. Um, let's see, what else? Celebrity appearances. Way too many backstage vignettes that make no sense whatsoever. Undelivered main events. Damn, they pulled it. And, and the sad thing is, that wasn't, that didn't even used to be a WWE trope. They stole that. <laughs> From, from Monday Nitro. But as soon as WCW went out of business, well, WWE's like, well, hell, nobody's doing this anymore. Let's rip it off. This episode of SmackDown, the very first episode you give us on Fox, was literally the WWE standard operating procedure barfed out on camera. Just blah, all over the ring. It's just like, okay, this is what we do. We're not going to change anything up. As a matter of fact, we're going to telegraph every last fucking piece of this shit. Just so you guys know, this is the hand we have. By the way, it's the same hand we've had since John Cena came onto a TV screen on SmackDown and said the words, Ruthless Aggression. Brian, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you your, I'll, I'll give you the mic here in a second. I just, I'm going you know, to kind of feed you with this one. Last night, when we uh, on this week's episode of Wrestling with Egos, which is currently up on YouTube, by the time as you're watching this, the the other show is on. They're going to be linked to each other. The little video that pops up at the end, they'll be linked to each other. So if you're watching this first, watch the other show. It's a little bit long, but there's a reason for it. Just go with it. Um, vice versa. Anyway, this was everything that you warned about in your fireside chat. This was everything that we talked about last night, polar opposite. AEW was this, 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 and this. NXT was the exact same things, this, 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 and this. All SmackDown and Raw have to do is not be the opposite of everything we talked about on the big show. And that is exactly what happened 22 minutes ago? You. It's disheartening. 
Um, the lovebird was watching with me for a while. Um, and unfortunately, right in the middle of the ladder match with Kevin Owens and Shane, she said, I'm turning in because this is boring. I've seen this before. You know, and thank you. I sadly had to agree with her. I mean, I watched that match with vested interest because of how much I've been invested in that storyline and how much I literally don't want to see McMahon on my television for a long, 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 long time. When, when the show even started and the first thing we saw was Steph and Vince come out, I said, fail. Yep. Because that sure should not be the first image you see. It should not be about the, the corporate people anymore. I, I said in my fireside chat, you know, hey, I'll put myself over for a little bit. I rattled off all these people you have in your employ. Here's a chance to make a statement. This is this show is going to be about wrestling from now on. This show is not going to be about, you know, Hollywood tie-ins and corporate sponsorships and FaceTime for Vince and Shane and Stephanie and everybody else. And you blew it. Check, check. And and what did we get all night? We got all of those things. And the 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 more it drug on, the more angry I got, and the more confused I got. So that when we all started on a little uh, messenger chat about, you know, hey, do we want to do some bonus content? In the four minutes it took me to turn my computer on or to get up from the couch, come over here and turn the computer on and get linked up with you, I wrote TV for how I thought the night should have gone. And I had this sinking feeling that we're about to have some extra added company coming oh, really? to the show. So, uno, memento, por favor, we are getting into it because... Yes. I'm, I'm shooting the pyro up. Hey. Hi. And yes, Hi. We, are, we are in the midst of recording this shit. Um, since you were not here to begin with, Parental discretion already advised. So if you got your shotgun loaded, don't need to, <laughs> don't need to pull the ammo and, and and put in blanks. Fire at will. Here's the here's the point that I was making. We have these matches, and in my opinion, the only one that was good was the ladder match. And then you get to the main event, which bell time nine minutes till ten. Which we're now looking literally 30 minutes ago. And Kofi, Kofi jumps into the arms of Brock Lesnar like he is motherfucking Jennifer Grey during Dirty Dancing. Nobody puts baby in a corner. I've had the time of my life. Brock F5s him one, two, three. I literally can't get from this point in my living room to the kitchen in that amount of time. You mean to tell me you're going to take the single best feel-good moment in WWE of 2019 and sh** on it that fast? I am done. RJ, Brian wanted to talk about how he would have booked it, but let's save the best for last, Brian. RJ, load them up. Fire. I am so 
angry right now, and I can't, I just can't stop thinking about it, and I can't wrap my head around it, and I don't understand. Like, they are like Cleveland Browns level, can't get out of their own fucking way. Like, it's unreal. Like, oh my god, I just don't understand what like, so we had a 25-minute lumberjack match between Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan and a five-second WWE title match. This has to be a Vince thing. Like, it's got to be Vince. It's got to be Vince saying that there's no way Kofi Kingston could ever hang with Brock Lesnar and just beat him in five seconds. It's got to be Vince. I just don't understand any other reason why you do that to Kofi Kingston. Brock Lesnar has shown up on WWE television maybe twice in the amount of time that Kofi Kingston has had the WWE championship, and then it's just over. You can't do a 35-minute title match, no lumberjack match, or a five-minute lumberjack match like you normally freaking do when you do stuff like that. You can't do a five-minute lumberjack match, a 10-minute lumberjack match, make the title match actually legitimate, and then still do the same exact stuff you did at the end. I just don't understand why they can never get out of their own way. I was on the chat sticking up for this show. And I just, I don't. Yeah. We're not going to post the chat on this. um, Because truth be told, I think it's worse to have written foul language than audible foul language. And I'm not going to do that. But let's be honest. Of the three of us. When it comes to WWE product, who is the guy that's been the most negative in the last six months? I'll give you a hint. He's not wearing green or blue. He's wearing black with AEW logos all over it. And that would be RJ. Here's my book bag. guy in our chat tonight that started going pissing vinegar first? Yeah, boy. Absolutely. Hey, RJ... Last night when we did the big show, and you guys like us, and you guys have probably already seen it. RJ got to be Bobby Heenan and go. I told you, guys, my turn. <laughs> I told you, I told you. Oh, you didn't, RJ. You didn't see it. You'll get a kick out of the uh, the props I use. Uh, normally, when I'm watching wrestling, I snack. This was going to be the snack of choice tonight. Not a bad one. One of my favorites. I got so mad after the main event, this became my snack. <laughs> no, 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 no. I literally, <laughs> I literally just ate two when we started the show. All the world saw it. Give me five seconds because I can't reach my... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. Oh, This is getting a little scary. We got to stop doing this. It really is. All right. But here's my thing. Okay, cool. You brought in Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez and Rey Mysterio come down the ring. And for points, for the first time ever in WWE, Brock Lesnar looks like he's about to himself. Not, Not for The Undertaker. Not for Triple H. Not for Braun Strowman. Not for anybody not even for the shield three on one but but he's gonna look like he's gonna just himself 
because Velasquez are coming down the aisle. Guys, I've just been handed some breaking news at the Wrestling with Egos news desk. Uh, an alert just came across my phone, and you're going to want to pay attention for this one. ESPN has just confirmed that Cain Velasquez is going to try wrestling. <laughs> it's on my, It's right there on my phone. I can't really see it, but that's the breaking news item. He's going to try wrestling. Man, I mean, I'll tell you what. Let me... He was good at AAA last month, or was it last month, two months ago? Yeah, Triple Mania. Wait, wait, wait. He's going to try wrestling. I I haven't read the whole thing yet. That's just what the headline says. Wrestling that he's been training for for the last year and a half. You know how in the past, RJ, we've, we've alluded to the running joke of the Brian face? <laughs> That's pretty what? much it. I'm gonna try wrestling. No, <laughs> Sherlock. So let me let me. Yeah. Okay. I I want to try and make you guys feel better. Okay. Please. So let's pretend that we're in an alternate universe. Okay. And your boy. First off, if we're in an alternate universe, Vince McMahon's already dead. Well, yeah, but your boy has been tasked with writing the op- the debut episode of SmackDown on Fox. Okay? And your boy has brought his other two boys along with him. So you're you're back there helping me. I was about to say, because if know. I'm not helping you, I have a gun to your head because if this show sucks, it's on you and you're dead. Right. So we've got two hours, right? Yeah. we got to make those two hours count. Okay? Ow. And we work for World Wrestling Entertainment, right? And the word wrestling is in the in the name, right? Yeah. So yeah, here we yeah. go. Your opening segment. We get all the tell you what, we have that pre-show, right? That's where we get all the celebrity appearances out of the way on. We get all the, you know, Tyson Fury's, you know, sitting back there, fine, whatever, who cares? Kenny Velasquez, fine, whatever, who cares? But at eight o'clock to ten o'clock, it's gonna be all about wrestling. Because now that I've been hired by WWE, I've realized that the wrestling product has languished for far too long at the expense of cheap theatrics and everything else. So, first person that walks out is indeed Becky Lynch still. But she gets in the ring, she holds the belt up, and she grabs a microphone, and she starts cutting a promo. She doesn't get interrupted by Baron Corbin. The Rock does not come out. We save The Rock for something else, which I'll allude to later on. She's talking for about five minutes or so about, you know, thanking the fans like she actually did. And then she gets interrupted by Bailey. And Bailey cuts for what her is a heelish promo about, I'm sticking to my principles and all this stuff, and I'm challenging you to a match. That's the first match we have on SmackDown. It's Becky Lynch versus Bailey. And they actually wrestle. It goes over two commercial breaks, and they have a wrestling match. Bailey wins. Okay? That builds Bailey up. That keeps her strong because she's the lesser of the two women's champions right now. I think we can all agree on that. She needs some wins. 25 minutes into the show, that's when Rock comes out. You have your one little nostalgia trip, and The Rock comes out, and The Rock takes out his phone. And The Rock references an Instagram post from Randall Keith Orton. 
I could not believe that no mention was made of this because that's a better use of Randy Orton instead of being in an eight-man tag match. With a finisher fast. Right. Rock talks about it. He reads it verbatim, and then he invites Orton out. And that's where they have their little, you know, flex fest or, you know, trading catchphrases and all that. And they make a match for WrestleMania 36. The same way Cena and Rock did it a year in advance of the WrestleMania that they did, I think it was 28, where they, they said, okay, fine, we're going to be the main event. You've, you've accomplished several things there. Rock and Orton now know what they're doing at WrestleMania, and you might have gotten some more buys for WrestleMania. You may have sold some more ticket packages because of that, because these two haven't really touched that much. There was the one, the, the one time I can remember them touching was WrestleMania 20, when it was Evolution versus Mick Foley and The Rock in the three-on-two handicap match. That was about the only time the two of them have ever danced around each other. I think so. They were like two ships passing on the night. Rock was on his way out when Randy Orton was making his ascension. Fine. That's great. We got a nostalgia trip. All the, the, the casual fans understand, okay, Rock Orton, I know those names. Then we get to Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. We're actually going to have that match in its entirety. Because those are two very good wrestlers. Those are the two of the very best wrestlers you have. And they go for about 17, 18 minutes. It covers two commercial breaks. Nakamura wins. Because, we, because I think what we're trying to do here is we're trying to make Rollins look weaker and weaker and weaker and chinks in the armor and everything like that as you head in to Hell in a Cell this weekend. Because, by the way, guys, Hell in a Cell is this weekend. Right. And we forgot about all of that in, in the midst of all this furor we have going on here. And as Seth is, is walking up the ramp, he's shaking his head. He can't figure out what's going on. That's where we can have the Fiend do some more mind games, too. Maybe not, you know, do the lights out, you know, choking thing, because as Patrick alluded to earlier on the show, that's getting a little bit stale. But we had a wrestling match, and we reminded people how great Shinsuke Nakamura is and what an asset he is. And this might be a little controversial for some people, what I'm going to do next. Kofi Kingston and Brock Lesnar is the next match. It's not the main event. Kofi and Lesnar comes on next. They actually have a match, a full-blown match. I don't care if Lesnar goes five minutes. You, not tonight. It's the debut episode of SmackDown and Fox, sir, and you are a contracted WWE performer. I don't care if Paul Heyman says, you're going. And then... Kofi stretches Lesnar out to 17 minutes, and he actually retains, because we are not going to uh, crap all over Kofi Kingston's story. He retains over Lesnar. That gets Lesnar out of the picture for the foreseeable future, because there's rumors around that Heyman wants to make Lesnar that special attraction the way Goldberg used to be. You bring Goldberg in to mow somebody down, fine, bring Lesnar in as a part-time player to just mow people down. He's not interested in titles. Shane and Kevin Owens then is the main event. Because that storyline needs a proper blow-off. It doesn't happen in a pay-per-view, so it's going to happen tonight on Fox. Fine. The final image, then, is Shane grabbing, or, or Kevin Owens grabbing the microphone, grabbing Shane by the shirt collar and telling him, you're fired, celebrating with the briefcase. The relief on his face, and then we spin Kevin Owens off into a program with somebody else. I've had four blockbuster wrestling matches on this show. You'll notice I didn't mention any celebrity appearances. You'll notice I didn't mention promoting, you know, football on Fox or Mass Singer on Fox or anything like that, because that's not what we're here for. We had, aside from WWE nostalgia celebrities, The Rock, 
Hogan and Flair sitting outside, which that did make sense because you're leading, you're using that to build the crown jewel. I get that. Um, you know, crown jewel in the country we won't actually mention, um, by the way. Um, but, you know, we're also not going to do another evolution because, you know, crown jewel and everything where the women can't compete. Um, but I, I didn't have, really have a problem with that. I honestly didn't even have a problem with Tyson Fury kind of mouthing off with Braun Strowman. Why? So that. <laughs> Say what? I am so here for that. I love oh, that. You know why? Because I got news for you. Tyson Fury, who, by the way, is a boxer. Tyson Fury can cut a better <laughs> promo than Braun Strowman can. Absolutely. Tyson Fury is gold. Absolutely. Um, he is the best mic man in boxing. C cut, print, kill the pig. Yeah. Um, so I'm here for that. Um, you know what I'm not here for? First off, I'm not here for the, oh, you need to go to our YouTube page in order to see the 24-7 title change hands, not once, but twice, and... The champion, Carmella losing the title to the DJ Marshmallow, and then Marshmallow losing the title to I don't give a who. <laughs> I still don't know. I'm not going to look. Someone is going to have to tell me. Why? RJ, are you ready for this? Are you ready to hear these words come out of my mouth so you can beam and realize that I have truly seen the light and I have joined the dark side WWE? I am an NXT guy for life, but I'm also AEW. Raw and SmackDown can show me effective immediately. Feel that. <laughs> I'm watching Hell in the Cell for two words. I'm sorry, three words. Bray <laughs> Wyatt. Can I ask a question? Am I am I correct that Hell in a Cell currently has three matches? Oh uh, let's see, Rollins. Uh Rollins and Bray in the cell. Roman uh, Roman and Daniel versus uh Harper and Rowan. Um, Becky Sawyer in the cell. And? I think there's three matches on that show right now. <laughs> in a three-hour pay-per-view. What the hell are they doing? Point. Made. I've been doing this a lot tonight, RJ. You can imagine. Okay. Getting back to it. Getting, let's get back to the point that really pissed us all off. We spent the first part of this year, literally the first four months of this year, watching the about time rise of Kofi Kingston. Absolutely. Until the culmination where he beat where he beat Daniel Bryan, won the title, 
It was a moment. I think anybody on this planet that loves wrestling could have cried at that moment. And it did not matter, matter what race you were. That wasn't a black, that wasn't just a black man winning the WWE championship for the very first time. It wasn't just an African American winning it for the very first time. That was a guy that wrestling fans across the board have appreciated and loved and admired for what he's been able to do over the course of 11, 12, however many damn years, finally getting his shot. And they continued to have him as the champ, as part of the greatest trio in wrestling history, arguably, the New Day. And he loses to Brock Lesnar in five. God bless America seconds. Five seconds. And the whole the whole match that, fits in a gift. That was five seconds to turn a guy who has watched WWE since WrestleMania four off. I've never, I watched WCW. I was more of a WCW fan than a WWE fan because of my love and admiration for Sting. And also the fact that Lash LaRue is a, is a childhood friend of mine. So MIA was, you know, hardcore, man. Um, I liked ECW. I liked WWE. I watched all three of them gladly. I've prayed that one day there would be a true challenger to make WWE step their game up. And they showed their asses up on Wednesday night. And what does WWE do? You give us the standard operating procedure. I mean, dude, this is exactly what the FBI did in Die Hard 1. They literally followed the ops manual page for page. And Hans Gruber and company knew exactly what was going to happen. The only reason they didn't get away with it was because John McCain. I'm serious. I mean, it's a, it, it's a goofy analogy, but it makes it's, it's the dictionary. I'm done. I'm done. You, when we do this show, I'll read the cliff notes. As to what happened on Raw and what happened on SmackDown, and so, unless something happens and you guys tell me, hey, you want to watch this? I got DVR, I've got Hulu Live, I can go back and watch it on demand any freaking time I want. You tell me something's good, I'll go watch it and I'll make sure I'm prepared for our shows. NXT, I'm there. AEW, I'm there too. Anything good on anything good in Japan? Damn right, I'm in. Night. Say what? October 14th for Japan. I'm just saying. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm this is that abusive relationship where you know it's good, it's bad. It's kind of like that Eminem song, you know, uh Love the Way You Lie. It's kind of yeah. like that. You know, I'm just like, okay, you know, but instead of tying her to the bed and setting the house on fire. I'm walking away. Just leave. Just walk out the door. It's it's I'm 
I'm done. Hey. I'm done. I'm done. Hey, as Beyonce once said, to the left, to the left, everything you own in a box to the left. Get your shit gap. Oh, uh, Brian. Mind boggling. Don't yeah. even. Yeah. Brian, the way you booked everything, it made a hell of a lot more sense than what we saw tonight. Um, Sounds like a wrestling show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely does. Um, so a few of those on Wednesday night. There were a few of those on Wednesday night, wrestling show. Yes, there were two very good ones on Wednesday night. Uh, um, Wednesday night is definitely wrestling night. You know what? Don't the Browns play on Monday night? They do. Guess what? Go Browns! I mean, that, that's what that's what I'm watching. And I know that's what you're going to watch. I'm not going to watch wrestling. I'm going to watch football. Either that or... I'm going to play this. By the way, guys, if you're on PlayStation Network, my ID, believe it or not, is Rant Mode On. <laughs> mine, mine is Go Browns 16. Really? Yep. Did I ever have that information? No, I don't think so. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Um, it just, I'm, flabbergasted i'm appalled i'm insulted yeah i'm embarrassed and brian i need a big word here what's a big word for giving up surrendering yeah I mean, I, I I feel like I still have too much invested in too many people to, you know, I mean, the fact that Finn's going to be on NXT, you know, gives me, you know, some hope. And the fact that, you know, we still have AJ Styles to watch. I mean, hell, AJ Styles was relegated to that eight-man tag and barely got any TV time. Exactly. He didn't get an entrance. Braun Strowman gets an entrance, but The Miz yeah. and Randy Orton and AJ Styles don't get an entrance. Right. Kevin Owens um, didn't get an entrance. Shane did. Yeah. And when KO didn't get an entrance, I'm like, well, KO's gone. At least uh, it's the last one. Yeah. I'm not giving up on anything that happens on Wednesdays. I'm all, I'm here I'm here for it. Here for it. Um, Mondays and Fridays can go straight to hell. I'll probably watch Tuesday, that WWE backstage show. I'll probably watch that. At least the first time, just to see. Oh, yeah. That studio show they're doing with Renee Young oh, and Booker T. They're doing on, on, on FS1. Yeah, Tuesday Tuesday nights. I'll, I'll probably check that out. <laughs> to hell with it, man. Um, <sighs> well... I can tell by the size on my cohort's faces that it's probably time to get on out of here. Uh, we wanted to, oh, maybe any, not. Any final thoughts? Hey, uh, Brian, I appreciate you wanting to wanting to wrap us up. But remember, man, gotta make sure we got gotta make sure we don't have anything left in the tank. <laughs> it doesn't look like either one of you do. I'm I'm done. Hit it, Brian.
So we want to thank you as always for consuming our content that we deliver to you. Uh, we are the good ship known as Wrestling with Egos. The the man covering his face in shame with the Braves hat there is shame Patrick. Shame my ass. Shame no. my ass. Frustration, aggravation, and a whole lot of pissed off. We're at 43 minutes recording this thing. I don't know how long the actual show is, but I have been in rant mode on since the minute we started. <laughs> All right, the man covering his face in frustration there is Patrick. He can be reached at rant mode on on Twitter. Uh, the AEW assassin over there can be reached at RJE man on Twitter with two N's. And your boy, the intellectual savior of the wrestling masses, can be reached at bkrigo15. Please check out the Google repository, bit.ly backslash with egos. Email the show. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us what you hated slash like slash wish they would do differently uh, on all the all the shows, not just WWE. That's done at wrestlingwithegos at gmail.com. And uh, I want to sign this off. I got something. Okay. Kicking it back over to your other boy. That being said, we appreciate it. For Brian, for RJ, I'm Patrick. This has been a Wrestling With Egos bonus content. Rant. Mode. Off.